Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach Tip of the Day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Thanks so much for joining us today. It's great to have you with us. My next guest is Richard Gallabo, and he is joining us from uh, Winthrop, Calshot. I probably probably just butchered that, Richard. Sorry about that. Uh, professional Corporation. He is an insolvency and financial restructuring attorney, and he's founding member and the managing shareholder of the firm. And it is one of Southern California's premier bankruptcy, insolvency, and financial restructuring law firms. We're going to speak about uh, bankruptcy and financial restructuring, and the title of today is, is Practical Solutions for Financial Distress. Richard, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Well, hi, Bill. Thanks for having me. How badly did I butcher the firm name? Well, you got the Winthrop correct. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and the second name is Cushow, which uh, oh. I know people struggle with, almost as much as they struggle with my own last name. But, uh, but anyway, so the name of the firm is Winthrop Cushow. I was going to go with that, but then I thought maybe not. So, well, hey, uh, thanks for joining us. You know, uh, I'm very interested to hear about this topic, uh, how we can um, help people uh, not go into bankruptcy, and if they have to, do what they have to do. So tell us a little bit about uh, your firm, about Winthrop Cushow, and um, uh, how you got into this line of uh, this field of law. Well, um, it's interesting because I got into the field of, uh, of bankruptcy law because at the time I was graduating from law school, which was in 1992, I was actually very interested in being a real estate transactional lawyer. But at that point in time, the market was real dry for, for transactional lawyers. And um, I had taken a bunch of courses, including a bankruptcy class in law school, really enjoyed the subject matter, then had a fantastic opportunity to be a law clerk for a bankruptcy judge named Jack Wilson. Um, and his his uh, courtroom is in Santa Ana, California. So, um, so the thing is that I was first his extern law clerk, um, where I was having, or I had the opportunity to um, to work with him while in law school for credits, and then um, Judge Wilson gave me, in certain respects, the opportunity of a lifetime to be his law clerk upon graduating from law school. So, um, so I clerked for, for Judge Wilson, and then that led to, uh, to my first job with a firm that was called Lobel Winthrop & Broker, the predecessor firm to our firm, which we then started in March of 1995. As a matter of fact, this year we're celebrating our 20-year anniversary as a firm. Congratulations. Um, at, thank you. Thank you. So in an, as far as the, the practice areas that we specialize in, uh, my firm is extremely well-known for handling many Chapter 11 reorganizations, uh, complex bankruptcy litigation. Uh, we will do some Chapter 7 liquidations. Um, we do a lot of what I would call out-of-court workouts, um, and that is where we look to restructure obligations for our clients but without having to initiate any kind of court proceeding. Uh, we also assist people with respect to acquisitions of distressed assets, 
Um, we do foreclosure sales in the context of the Uniform Commercial Code, what we would call Article 9 foreclosure sales, when a secured creditor is looking to foreclose on its uh, personal property assets that serve as security for repayment of its debt. Um, I also do um, general assignments for the benefit of creditors, which is uh, very similar to Chapter 7 liquidations, but once again, it's, it, it's a process that is outside the purview of a court, and it's actually handled under applicable California law. So those are, I guess, the representative areas of practice for, for my firm. And uh, do you work with... Uh uh, a typical client uh, or or type or size of client? Um, no, I, we have a very very broad based um, client uh, client roster, so to speak. So we've represented um, publicly and closely held companies. We will represent high net worth individuals um, a lot of times in their capacity as debtors, um, sometimes as creditors in cases. We've represented secured and unsecured creditors, landlords and tenants, real estate developers, those that have intellectual property licenses, uh, franchisees, franchisors, manufacturers, importers. Um, we've represented creditor committees in bankruptcy cases and bankruptcy trustees. And um, we've also represented assinees for the benefit of creditors and also court-appointed receivers. Okay, so... People, people with problems on one side or the other, and uh, you know, I guess there's been, of course, changes in bankruptcy laws several years ago, and I think I think I heard you say at a meeting that I was at where you were speaking was that the the trend for bankruptcies went down, but now it looks like it might be back on the rise again. Can you address the climate of of bankruptcy filings? Sure. So as of right now, I guess over the last 12 to 18 months. Bankruptcy filings ha have been down. Um, so nationwide corporate bankruptcies, you know, I noticed that th there was a continuation of a downward trend in the first quarter of 2015 with 19% fewer corporate bankruptcy filings than for the same period, that being uh, first quarter of 2014. And um, what, what we're really seeing is that there's a lot of lenders that are patient with, uh, with their clients, and to the extent that there are problems under the terms of the loan documents, we're, we've been seeing over the last 12 to 18 months, and actually even a little bit longer than that, um, lenders have uh, been amenable to what we would call amend and extend, amending and extending terms of their loan documents to allow for debtors, businesses that are struggling to continue to operate um, uh, without the need to file for bankruptcy. And um, what's really been helping the situation, of course, has been the historically low interest rates that we've been seeing not only nationally but internationally. Um, so the ability to borrow money at a very, very low cost of borrowing has helped uh, fuel the downtrend the downtrend in bankruptcy filings, and we expect that once interest rates start to climb, that uh, certain uh, debtors, certain businesses that are already struggling will, uh, will be tipped over because of the fact that the cost of borrowing will, um, will put them into a financial situation where they cannot continue to operate without seeking uh, some sort of relief under the bankruptcy code.
Interesting. Okay, so the the low interest rates have created um, uh, a desire or a need or even sometimes additional uh, available capital where people could say, well, you know, we can make we can lend this money to a person who's in struggling and and make uh, a few points on it, a lot less than the credit cards, for instance, are, are charging in a personal situation, uh, and and attempt to work this out. Now, again. What does that? What does this mean to you when you look at it? When you see these trends, where do you start to see the trends eking up again for bankruptcies? Well, we we start to see them sometimes with respect to certain industries that are just suffering for one reason or the other. So there may be more. It's not even so much a microeconomic um, situation. Um, and, and what I mean by micro, I mean company-specific as it is more industry-specific, and that tips companies over into a bankruptcy. So, for example, the oil and gas industry um, has really been struggling with the price of gas uh, or the price of of, uh, natural resources going down dramatically over the last few months. So that has negatively impacted a lot of uh, gas and oil producers and has caused a substantial number of bankruptcy filings. Same thing with respect to another industry um, uh, that, that's been suffering has been just your traditional uh, retail industry. And that's because of, of the fact that uh, people are feeling much more comfortable uh, shopping on the Internet and being able to get uh, excellent prices, very, very competitive, uh, if not lower than what it is that they would pay for in a retail store, plus also they don't need to actually take the time to go shopping in a retail store. They mm-hmm. can just go online, a few clicks, and then all of a sudden the merchandise is shipped to them you know, within a few days. So, um, so there, there's been certain industries that, um, uh, like I said, it's industry-specific, um, oil and gas, retail. For example, we saw Wet Seal file for bankruptcy uh, not, mm-hmm. too, not too long ago. Recently, Fredericks of Hollywood filed for bankruptcy. And that was actually their second bankruptcy that they filed, uh, the first one being probably about uh, close to 10 years ago. So um, so anyway, it's more industry-specific based upon just factors within the industry that are causing certain companies uh, to have to file for bankruptcy. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, uh, especially the, the story you just uh, told us about you know retail and what's happening with online purchases and um, companies like that. Now, wh- when should someone call you? What's the first sign that they should be giving you a call? Well, of course, it depends upon um, whether or not they're owed money or whether or not they owe someone money, because we represent both sides. We do represent, while my firm traditionally and typically represents the debtor, the company that is struggling financially to pay, we also do represent non-institutional creditors. And I say non-institutional because we are typically conflicted out of representing big banks, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, other financial institutions that are similar to those two. Um, So if you own a company, represent a company, maybe consulting with a company in some way, shape, or form, and it's apparent that they are struggling financially, then that's the time to call us. Uh, and, of course, we always counsel, uh, whether it's the company or referral sources, to try to get us involved as early on as possible because when we're brought in, 
late in the game, as the company has dwindling financial resources, it makes it much more difficult for us to do what we need to do and what we prefer to do, which is try to keep a company out of a bankruptcy if possible, look to consensually resolve their financial issues out of court. Now, so that's the debtor side or the company side that's struggling. Um, and, and, you know, what we, what we typically ask representatives of a company to do and, and, and to get out in front of it as quickly as possible. Now, the flip side is, of course, sometimes we do represent creditors. And um, those, are, those are parties that are owed money by debtors. And we like to counsel those constituents as well by coming to us as early as possible once they know that they're having problems collecting on a debt or there's rumors in, in, in the industry, so to speak, about a company struggling, unable to pay its debts. So we like to get... Uh, involved with the situation as early on as possible and do whatever it is that we can in order to maximize the recovery to the client while minimizing any uh, legal fees and expenses and downtime in in collecting on that account receivable. Okay, that's good good uh, information to know. So when, when someone kind of feels like there's something's not right if they're a if they're owed money uh, and the company feels a little shaky, they should give you a call to do some investigation and figure out if there's a way to accelerate the collection of that or, or work something else out. And then if they're, of course, on the other side of that and they're, they're feeling the pinch, they're feeling troubles, they should get in touch. So to work on some, uh, again, practical solutions for financial distress. So what are some potential solutions that people could work on with you guys to, to get out of a jam? Well, for example, let's just say that um, a note has, has come due and payable or is soon to come due and payable, and there may be a balloon payment that's due, a substantial sum of money that, while a company has tried to set aside reserves, has been unable to do so based upon their recent cash flow. So uh, in, in those instances, what we would look to do is contact the other side, the, the holder of the note, and speak to them about amending the term of the note, extending the term of the note, you know, sitting down and explaining the financial situation and why there is a need to amend and extend. And we look to do so in a way where the other side truly understands that there is a business need for amending and extending and why it benefits all parties to cooperate. And um, based upon the facts and circumstances of each case, most times we find that parties are willing to cooperate and discuss uh, amending and extending. And, of course, the terms vary based upon numerous factors, including ability to collect um, uh, on the note in the event that the holder of the note decided that it did not want to engage in an out-of-court work and instead wanted to pursue uh, collection either by foreclosure or perhaps initiating a lawsuit. Mm -hmm. So amending and extending can be a really good thing. Um, and, and having someone uh, know, you know, when's the right time to put the pressure on and when's the right time to, to, to make, make the amendment and, and extensions is, is very valuable, Richard. Uh, tell our listeners um, the best way that they can get in touch with your firm, please. Okay, so... 
a um, couple or three ways. First, of course, the traditional way of just picking up a phone and calling me. Um, my my direct dial at the office is area code 949-720-4135. I could also be reached uh, via email, uh, first initial R, last and, and then Golubo, so R-G-O-L, U, B as in boy, O, W, at WinthropCouchot.com. And Couchot is spelled Couch, O-T, C-O-U-C-H-O-T. Um, and then, of course, the third way is I could be reached via LinkedIn. Terrific information, great tips, and um, I think you've given our listeners a lot to think about, and I really appreciate it. Uh, again, if you're out there and you're thinking Something's not right with some of my financial situations that either I owe or, or uh, I need to collect. Uh, give Richard Golubo a call, and uh, he is well-connected. He's a well-connected individual. He's a member of Provisors here in Southern California, a huge networking group of, of top professionals. So, Richard, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been fascinating, um, and I think that uh, you gave our listeners a ton to think about and I'd love to have you back on the show again some other time and we can kind of hone in on maybe some of these specific areas that you mentioned in this first interview. Sounds great. Thank you so much for having me as a guest. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back after this, so please stay with us. You're listening to ExitCoachRadio.com the information station for age 50-plus business owners, where we're interviewing top advisors for their best tips, ideas, and precautions so you can be well-planned. We upload new one-minute tips every day. ExitCoachRadio.com. Come listen for a minute. Business owners, If you came back from lunch and there was a resignation letter on your desk, which employee would you really, really not want it to be from? What are you doing to prevent this from happening? At Exit and Retirement Strategies, we design plans that attract, motivate, and retain key employees. For a free consultation, call Bill Black, the Exit Coach, at 866-370-3774. Call today. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 